from high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah. It's KZMU News. I'm Emily Ernson. This is your news for Tuesday, December 5th. Record heat waves throughout the southwest this summer caused asphalt temperatures to reach upwards of 150 degrees Fahrenheit, hot enough to cause third-degree burns. A new super white reflective paint could be one solution to keeping surfaces cooler. Suzanne Potter with Utah Public Radio has more. Researchers at Purdue University are hoping to bring to market a highly reflective paint that bounces heat off the surface, keeping things cooler, which reduces energy consumption. Emily Barber is a Ph.D. candidate at Purdue who is working on the project. She notes that since energy is often produced by burning fossil fuels like natural gas, energy efficiency leads to fewer carbon emissions. So especially in warmer climates, if we can keep that roof cool, we can keep the building cool, and therefore we don't have to use much HVAC, we can reduce greenhouse gas that way. The paint, which may be available to consumers as soon as next year, has been shown to keep outdoor surfaces 8 degrees cooler than surrounding temperatures on a sunny day and up to 19 degrees cooler at night. However, Professor Jeremy Monday from UC Davis says the basic issue with global warming is that the Earth is absorbing more energy than it is emitting. So in order to keep up with the pace of humanity's carbon emissions, which cause the Earth to absorb heat, we'd have to put highly emitting white paint on 1 to 2 percent of the Earth, and that would harm wildlife and alter weather patterns. CO2 levels are still rising, and so we're going to continue to be trapping more and more heat in. We're going to continue to rise, so we're going to have to keep putting more and more of these emitting surfaces up. And so unless we actually get to the root problem and bring CO2 levels back down, this is definitely not a long-term solution. Researchers are working on making the paint more durable and better at resisting dirt, so it won't have to be constantly repainted in order to remain effective. This story was produced with original reporting from Sonora Slater for the Sacramento Bee. For California News Service, I'm Suzanne Potter. The Bureau of Land Management is hoping to implement what it calls a blueprint for 21st century recreation. And a new report identifies ways it can achieve its goal. The Mountain West News Bureau's Murphy Woodhouse has more. The BLM manages 245 million acres, and the blueprint lays out ambitious plans for recreation on that land, diversifying resources to support recreation, developing partnerships, and making access more inclusive. That comes as visitation is increasing and budgets aren't keeping pace, says Eileen Thompson, director of the Foundation for America's public lands. The foundation discussed the BLM's plans with dozens of recreation groups, and it put out a report this month with recommendations, like setting up a dedicated partnership office within the BLM. There are people who care very deeply about particular places the BLM manages, and it gives them a chance to have input into how it's managed over time, as well as to actually do and implement that management. Participants shared frustrations with the BLM's slow infrastructure planning process. They also recommended better outreach to underrepresented communities and a push for more appropriations. For the Mountain West News Bureau, I'm Murphy Woodhouse. A new program in Utah wants to help first responders learn to recognize and work through their traumatic life events through horsemanship. Alex Gonzalez of the Utah News Connection has this report. This coming Saturday, Rain and Response will be holding its first official and free kickoff in Laverkin. Taylor Graff owns the program and says sessions are set to begin early next year. She says while pricing is still being finalized, participants will pay a part of the total cost while sponsors will pay the balance. She says she's been working with an equine therapist to develop the curriculum, which will teach first responders skills and tools to better manage trauma. For Graff, it's personal. 
because her father was a police officer for years and is impacted by events he experienced on the job. Our family dynamics changed, relationships changed, and my dad changed. It was a really big deal, and none of us knew how to deal with it. We did not have the emotional intelligence to figure out what was going on. An estimated 30% of first responders and public health workers can develop depression and post-traumatic stress disorder, compared with 20% in the general population, according to the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. Graf says it's important to note the program is not intended to act or replace actual therapy, but rather be an outlet where one can release and get in better tune with their emotions. Graf says people can learn a lot from horses, since they'll react based on a combination of their own personalities and human behavior toward them. She adds that participants, in partnership with the horse, will learn how to read, de-escalate, and negotiate situations in the round pen. We teach them how to get the horse back up and just going crazy, and then bringing them back down, and we relate it to them. Then we teach them how that works in themselves and how they can do it with their families. Graf says she wants first responders to know Rain and Response is there to show support and offer help, and adds that it's always important to lift those that are lifting us. For Utah News Connection, I'm Alex Gonzalez. Almost 40% of all food in America goes unsold or uneaten, while millions of people struggle to afford groceries. But a concept called food rescue tackles both issues at once, keeping some items out of the trash while helping to feed people in need. For Aspen Public Radio, Kaya Williams has more on one of those projects in the Roaring Fork Valley. Oh, hey, hey, Keenan, how you doing? Every Friday morning, in the delivery docks of grocery stores and parking spots outside of bakeries, Gray War shows up for the leftovers. Is that eggnog? Yeah. Oh, I love eggnog. War is the founder of Harvest for Hunger, a nonprofit that rescues unsold food and redistributes it through food banks and mobile pantries. I'm along for the ride, and over the course of a single day, I'll watch this ski school supervisor in a beanie and a branded vest pick up 1,300 pounds of food, then help give it away. I was surprised. I was floored. I had no idea there was so much waste. That's a lot of food in the landfill that's no longer there. It's quite amazing, actually. It's not just the basics, either. In addition to veggies and sandwich bread, we're giving out things like fancy cheese and pastries. Carrot cakes. Yeah, so food bags are designed to help people survive. And food rescue, I feel, is designed to help people thrive. And here in the Roaring Fork Valley, where the resort economy comes with a higher price for everything, and the local food pantries serve thousands of people each year, There are lots of folks who need help, both surviving and thriving. When you take account of the cost of living, many, many people here live below what's called the Federal Poverty Index. So in that situation, you know, food insecurity is an absolute reality. Catherine Sand leads the Resource Center Aspen Family Connections. And during the COVID-19 pandemic, she helped run a mobile food pantry. Gray War was one of the volunteers. I think what Gray understands that it's not all just about sort of food and nutrition and here's a can of beans. You know, people also need to have pleasure from food. War helped out at the food pantry in his free time when he wasn't working as a snowboard instructor. And he had an idea to augment the supplies by collecting the food tourists leave behind after their vacations. 
Sand thought it was a good idea, but that war needed to think bigger to rescue unused food from grocery stores instead of ski condos. War took her up on the idea. So she said I should go to the source. And we went from collecting 30, 40 pounds to collecting 300, 400, 500, 600 pounds at each store. Now, just two years after war started Harvest for Hunger, he's rescued more than a quarter million pounds of food. The problem isn't getting it from the grocery stores, he says, but getting the food to the people who could use it, because going to a food bank can come with a stigma. And I worry that we're not reaching as many people as we could be reaching. I want to start focusing on not only helping the people that are desperate, but also helping the people that are living paycheck to paycheck. To do that, War is opening a food pantry in Snowmass Village, where he lives and works. It just got approved by the town council and is likely to open by the end of the year in town hall. People will get to just drop in and grab what they'd like, just like they could at a recent giveaway that Harvest for Hunger organized near the Snowmass ski area. Can I take the bread out of your Yes, absolutely, please. As we watch people pick out baguettes from a local bakery and consider a jug of free eggnog, I'm reminded of something War said at the beginning of our day. Everyone should have the opportunity to eat well. Thank you, Greg. You're welcome, Bill. From the Edless Neeson Arts and Culture Desk, I'm Kaya Williams. And that's the KZMU News for Tuesday, December 5th. Get your community-powered journalism weekdays on the airwaves at noon and 6 p.m. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.